Mama's love can be a great thing. A father's love, friends that are as faithful as they can be. But nobody can love you like Jesus. Turn with me tonight to the book of Romans, if you would. Romans chapter 12, verse 4. Romans 12, 4. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ and every one members of one another. Now God made islands. There's some beautiful islands in the world. I've seen some. But God never made a human being to be one. Islands are made out of dirt volcanic pumice, and all that sort of thing. Islands are not intended to be made out of flesh and blood. Satan is the one who makes islands out of people so that people will pull away from the body and then when they get in trouble, they have nobody to help them because they're an island. So listen what Paul said, so we being many are one body in, one body in Christ, every one members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy, according to the proportion of faith. Now listen how gifts will operate. So if a person has prophecy, they can only prophesy according to the proportion of faith that is given to them. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministry. So a person who feels like they're called to preach and the first trip they want to make is Johannesburg or Durban, South Africa or something like that, they're contrary to the scripture. Unless, of course, they're from Durban. Jesus had his disciples to start at home. That's right. So ministry, let us wait on our ministry, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. So now we move from gifts as far as ministerial gifts and things like that. Then we move into people that are gifted by God to be able to give things other than spiritual administration. Let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth, so here's position holders in the church. He that ruleth with 
diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. I mean, let to be remembered tonight as we pray. God bless you. Hold your needs, your requests are in your heart. <clears throat> Father, we're so honored tonight that we once again could be gathered together, Lord, in this place that we have built, dedicated for saving, for healing, for deliverance, for worship, for prayer. It's not gathered as an arena. It's not gathered so that we could come for entertainment. It's a place of worship. And when you were here, you said it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. So we've not come to look at one another's hats, one another's shoes, one another's garments, but we've come to worship. We're going to worship when we feel like it. We're going to worship when we don't. We're going to worship when we're well. We're going to worship when we're sick. Because this is not a house of when you feel like it. It is not a house of just when you are well. It is a house of worship and prayer and exhortation. So when we enter these doors, we're going to pray. We enter, we're going to praise. We're going to worship. We're going to do everything we can to be able to make a difference. We want hell to know we've had church tonight. We want the angels of God to know that we had church. And we want you to know when we showed up at church, we didn't sleep through the service, we didn't barely make it through, but we were participators. So Father, we're asking tonight in the name of Jesus, take the service, take the word. Lord, you see this prayer cloth that I have in my hand? Father, Brother Michael Bailey's little granddaughter with her eye. Lord, you see this child, Lord, her eye crossing and still not quite right. Lord, whenever I think of that, of course, I think of Brother Branham's little girl. Your God ever crossed that child that come across the platform was healed. But I also think of something closer to my heart. Many years ago, as I stood in Alabama and laid hands on a little boy about 14 years old, whose eyes were so crossed, poor little fella couldn't even read. But I saw you by your great miraculous power straighten his eyes right there in that service. Also think of my dear wife as she stands here tonight. And she'll drag out the picture every now and then whenever she was little and her eyes were so terribly crossed. Glasses on. Father, we know you straighten out eyes. So we're praying over this prayer cloth tonight. In the name of Jesus, may this child's eyes be straightened out. Speak to us tonight from your word, Father. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> Aren't you glad to be a part of the body of Christ? Yeah. Not only a part of the body of Christ, but part of a local body. Wherever it is for your visitors with us tonight, wherever it is that you go, or some of you that are streaming and I know there's many that stream that don't have a midweek service. <clears throat> so wherever it is that God has placed you in that assembly, uh, that God has given you a responsibility, people, I don't think, still look at church quite right. They almost look at church like a grocery store 
or a place to shop. So if they prefer Ross above TJ Maxx, and then all of a sudden they change their preference to Target, and then they go there. It's sort of the way people look at church, you know. They just choose it on some of the strangest things. I hear from message people some of the strangest, most bizarre reasons for leaving one church to go to another. I mean, it just absolutely will blow your mind some of the things that people say. And it makes me realize that a lot of folks don't understand what church is for and really what you're supposed to choose your church by. And the reason that you go to this particular church or another church, wherever it is. But first of all, it should be that the presence of God is what is drawing you. Now, God is the only one that can put us into the mystical body, which is by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But then there is local assemblies, and we thank God for them around the world that are there as a station, a soul-saving station. They're there to strengthen the elect. And I've been privileged by the grace of God to stand and preach in many of them around the world. And it's always, it's always such a blessing because when you go, you find every one of them are unique having standing in different parts of Africa and Kenya and Tanzania, Zimbabwe, Uganda, South Africa. And every one of them, even though you all might categorize them as being merely Africans, every one of them are different. You go from, you go from Brother Kamwadi's church in Nairobi, which has made up a lot of people who live from the rural areas, and they'll come there and work, and they will attend that church, but yet their family may be back out here and there and there. And then you go out in some of the rural areas, and it'll be a little bit different. You go over to Tanzania, different, different national spirit there, so they're just a little bit different. Go to Zimbabwe, different again. Same way with, with the states. Then you go to Mexico, and you find a lot of the churches there, been to several of them there. Going to South America, Central America, you go there, a little different. And you think, and that each one of us tend to think that our church is the church God uses as the example. But let me just let you in on a little bit. The churches in South America don't even sing like us. They don't act like us. You know, now if the Holy Ghost moves on somebody, it'll move the same way. But some of you would be totally surprised if you would go in Latin America and you'd find their music don't sound nothing like ours at all. It don't sound absolutely nothing like it. You go to Guadalajara, go to that part of Mexico, and then you go down to Venezuela, as I've been with Brother George Smith several times, and then you go to Africa. Every one of them is a little bit different. And yet, no doubt, every one of them feel like that in the millennium, we'll all sway just like them. Everybody will move back and forth, and everybody will do, because that's what we tend to think, and that's what we believe no doubt most of the people, the word of life, think that in the millennium, everybody will be worshiping just like us, but I don't agree with you all. As a matter of fact, I believe that it'll be diverse as it is here in this life, that people will be made different, and God made them that way. And we were to do ourselves and other people a great injustice whenever we want to use our church or our personal preference of a church, and we use that as the example church. But when you read the New Testament, and I'd like to take each one of them churches sometime and take every one of them by name, the Ephesian church, the Laodicean church, everyone in the church of Thessalonica, and every one of them and show you the characteristics and the traits of those churches and the issues that were in those churches and you'll find out that would none of them exactly the same way. 
because God makes them different and God calls them and makes them up from a kaleidoscope of the world and you come with people that were Greeks, that were Phoenicians, people from Cappadocia, people from Jewish background, people from heathen background, all kinds of different things and whenever they would come and get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, they would still bring an element of their humanity with them. Now, the Corinthian church was a very gifted church. It was one of the most gifted churches that we know about in the New Testament. But yet they were a church with lots of problems. Now, every church has its problems. And the the Ephesian church was totally different. They were one of the deeper churches in the New Testament. But yet, they still had their problems. And Paul had to write to them husbands on how to love their wives. Well, you'd think a deep Christian would know that, but apparently some of the deep brothers of Ephesus didn't know how to love their wives right. And some of them deep women in the Ephesian church didn't know how to obey theirs. And then some of the children in the deep Ephesus church didn't know that they should obey their parents. And they didn't know that they should respect them. So as you read the New Testament, what you see is the diversity. God absolutely loves to diversify his body. Now, he did it in the natural makeup of the body, and he also did it in the spiritual makeup. Now, think of all the preachers that you have heard since you've been saved. And you think of how diverse they are. Now look at the special meetings that we had. We had Brother Tim, of course, Brother Ron, and Brother David. All three of them great brothers that love God, that have been such a benefit to the bride. And yet all three of them as different as they could be. In the way they preach, in the way that they minister, even in the way that they would be able to pray for people in the prayer line. But aren't you glad God don't make every preacher exactly the same way? Well, God doesn't make the laity the same way either. And God doesn't actually allow our trials and our tests to be the same way either. Now, if God let every one of his members now, all of them that come this same way, that all be bound with alcohol, that all be bound with cigarettes, and that all be bound with sable pornography, then all of them got delivered. And that's all that every one of God's children ever dealt with. And God would save them all, deliver them from smoking, deliver them from alcohol, and deliver them from porn. Well, then what about all the rest of these sins out here that his bride would never conquer? So what did God do? God let his seed fall among heathens. Thank God I was one of them. God let his seed fall among church people and fall here and fall there. They were born under different strains, under different things, and they come from all these different backgrounds. Some of them will overcome porn. Some will overcome drinking. Some of them never drunk a drop in their life. Some of them never smoked a cigarette in their life. And they was as lost as every one of them people that did. So God would bring them from all different backgrounds that he could show by his grace. He could save a drunk as well as he could a church member that was just as much bound for hell as a drunk was. And yet God allowed it to be so that his grace would be able to reach to every one of them and redeem them all. And then when they are are redeemed, they come to the Spirit of God and then they find a church. Now, the Corinthian church, of course, was the one that God spoke to Paul and said, I have much people in this city. 
Now he was there for about 18 months, one of the longest places that he was in the New Testament. Brother, sister, this man had his hands full at that church. Now some of these were former prostitutes in the house of worship at Astarte. Some of them were former prostitutes in the worship place that come from Demopolis. Some of them, oh Lord, some of the things that they did, I'm not even eloquent enough to be able to describe it to you tonight. It would be 45 X rated. That's how bad it was. And yet God had some of them people that was his, all they had to do, save them, fill them with the Holy Ghost. But yet they brought a, a, a natural element with them. You see, sin itself is also very diversified. Now, it would probably surprise some of us here tonight to know some of the sins and some of the background of the saints that are here. And you'd say, you used to do that? Oh yeah, I used to ride a Harley. I was one of them guys, you know. So I'd say, oh no, 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 surely not. And then I'd say, well, oh my goodness, I never done nothing like that. Well, I've done this and that. Oh my goodness, you mean you done that? You was caught up in that sort of thing? Yeah, well, that's the way God does. Satan diversifies in a similarity the way that God does. So if what if the only sin that Satan had was just uh, Harleys and, and chop motorcycles and he had people with long hair and leather jackets while before long there wouldn't be enough cows to make leather out of. But you know what? Satan's got taste for the affluent upper class. Satan's got sin for the white collar. He's got sin for the blue collar. He's got sin for the no collar. Because why? He diversifies sin at just the same way God diversifies the measure of grace. Then God also diversifies the administration once we are saved and brought into the body. Now, we know we all have preference. I do, I'll be honest with you. There's brothers that minister to me better than others do. And I have preference, I've gotta be honest. There's preachers that I get more out of what they say than I do others. But I'm gonna be honest also and say it to you this way. I have never went to church And ever, even when I was in Pentecost, never did I go to church that I did not at least get a little something out of that service, even if that preacher was not really my favorite preacher or one that I I really struggled in trying to understand, you know, the way he would lay it out. And I'm sitting there, I'm just, I'm trying to think, okay, where in the world is he going with this? And I'm sitting there and he's done went beyond the horizontal rainbow and he's standing over here with Noah in the ark. And I'm still trying to figure out the rainbow and saying, what in the world is that man even talking about? But I've learned that if you'll go and you're really opened up and that's a God called man, that you'll be able to get something out of what he's got to say. I don't believe the Lord wants us to come to the house of God and leave empty-handed. But does that mean that individual will be one of your favorite preachers? Probably not. But yet God has them for all different reasons and all different purposes. Now, the, the Corinthian church seemed to have a great explosion of spiritual gifts. And there was all types of administration. I imagine they had all kinds of preachers They had all kinds of tongue talkers. They had people that was prophesying. They had people that was no doubt seeing visions, having dreams, all kinds of things like that. Now you wonder why would God empty so much out of that church and yet we don't have any other record 
in any of the rest of the churches that Paul ever dealt with any gift issues at the other churches. Yet Brother Branham said they had gifts and those other churches too. So somehow they had learned an understanding of how to be able to catch the administration and make them work effectively for the body. But there was still a lot of selfishness because the big portion of the Corinthian church was Gentiles. <coughs> Gentiles. <coughs> so they had a lot of problems with jealousy and measuring one another. Now, the problem will always be when we will measure ourselves by ourselves. Okay, so then when we are the measuring tape, then we will measure ourselves by our view and we will also measure others by our view. Now don't sit there and look at me like you know what I'm talking about. Any of you that's ever visited another church or you, some of you just come back from camps and you went here and there and there and they do the singing a certain way and they do the music a certain way and the preacher will preach a certain way or maybe you go to another church and they say, wow, we don't do that in our church. Oh, you see, you know what you've done? You drug out your measuring tape. Boy, I wish they'd do this like Brother Louie. But you know what? There's only one Brother Louie. Sister Glenda's saying, thank God for that. <laughs> There's only one, no matter where you go, you know, there'll be only one pastor like that, one song leader like that, and God knows how to do it that way. But we can't help as humans from being that way. But what we can help is allowing that to dominate what we get out of the service and measuring everybody else by our opinion and our thoughts, because you know what? They might have some quotes to be able to prove, or scriptures, the reason they do it this way that you aren't aware of. And then you're sitting there singing, oh my goodness, and you're, you're dragging the measuring tape out of your heart. Now I'll tell you one thing, we just cut it to 30 minutes, and that's as far as our special singing goes, and they went 47 and a half. Now I've got a problem with that tonight. You know, so we, we do it all the time. I'm not sure of how much aware that we really are. And the Corinthian church must have been really bad measuring tape people because in the way that Paul had to deal with them, but let's be gracious to them because from the time that 1 Corinthians was written by the time 2 Corinthians was written, which was a, a few years had elapsed, there was a great change in this church. Now, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, and watch Paul now as he's going to bring, bring them a great parable. And he's going to use a parabolic symbol and he's going to type it like the human body to help them to see how diverse their human body is, and maybe God would use this, no doubt Paul felt inspired, I believe he did, to be able to use the human body and the human anatomy to be able to show the Corinthian believers that as they were diverse and they had different functions in the spiritual body, that even though God mirrored that by the natural body. So he said, as the body is one and has many members and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Now watch, so he starts with the natural man and he will take just the, the big image first before he breaks it down. Now he says, as the body is one, so here I stand tonight as one, you're standing there as one, 
and sitting there, and yet I have all these different members, all these different things. I've got all these cells and all these things in my body that do all these different things, but yet when you call Donnie, all of them will answer under what? One voice. So I am only one person, yet I've got all these systems that are at work inside my body. I've got the emphatics, I've got the lungs, I've got all these other things that are working and when they're properly functioning, what a wonderful thing a human being really is. And yet all it takes is for one of them to get out of sync and get out of order and it can disrupt the whole anatomy of the human being depending upon the value of that system. And it's the same way in the body of Christ. Now watch in verse 13, he said, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Now watch what he's doing. As a preacher, he's laying a platform. He's laying something out, and he wants them to get a generic view and get a foundation. Okay, Paul, so what are you saying? All right, I'm trying to tell you that as you are a human being, so is the mystical body of Christ, and as you've got fingers, and you've got knuckles, and you've got sinew, and tissue, and cells, and blood, and you've got all these different things in your body, yet you are one body, and that's the way Christ is. Now, he wants them to see because they're having problems being able to keep the order of it straight. Because why? They're measuring each other by themselves. So some would say have a gift and they would be a vocal gift. We'll say it was speaking in tongues. And they would speak in tongues and oh my, it might just make the hair raise up on the back of your neck. And they were really inspired by God to do it. And then maybe someone else would interpret or someone else would prophesy because tongues, of course, a person standing there, they're not even to do that before the congregation unless they'd be an interpreter. So maybe that one would speak in tongues and there was no interpreter, but someone with the gift of prophecy would be able to stand up and they would say this, this, or this. And then someone else sitting there said, well, I've never spoken in tongues. I've never prophesied. Apparently there's having some issues because the gifted people were looking down on the rest of the people that they thought were not gifted and thinking, boy, you're not very spiritual. Actually, the truth of it is, some of those gifted people were not very spiritual. Because in their thinking, they were thinking that the gifted people in the spiritual sense were the only ones that were gifted. But that's not true. Every person that is saved is gifted. Now, yours may not be publicly, it may not be to stand up and speak or speak in tongues, but every one of you are called for a purpose. I don't care who you are. I don't care how little and how small you think you are. You are called to minister to the body of Christ in one way or another. Now, they were having a real hard time because they were so lifting up the spiritual ones. So say, even among the ministry, apparently by the way that Paul had to deal with it, so some of the ones that would say were more anointed than others. I mean, oh, there's preachers like that. 
There's preachers and they don't move around a lot. They don't jump a lot. And they just stand there and they speak and they can be just as anointed as the man who's rhyming and running around and jumping and all that. Hey, I, I thank God for both of them. But you know what? I doubt very seriously that the Lord Jesus preached like Brother Darrell. I doubt very seriously the Lord Jesus preached like Brother David Siler. I doubt he preached like me. The Bible said he sat and opened his mouth and precious words come out of his mouth. Now, could we have handled that? Could we have handled a, a man that would sit and teach? So what, what is it that gets our attention? You see, if we're not careful because we're born under a certain gift, and many of you have been, it's like your spiritual birthmark or your birth past. It will always have an impact on your life, the preacher or the ministers by which you were spiritually birthed under. And it will do something to you. And there's people that I have a connection with around the world and always will through eternity because God used my ministry to bring them to a new birth. Those others that Brother Darrell is born, every God called man has the exact same thing. And they will be identified with them and you can't help that. There's a bond between you and that individual. It's basically indescribable. There's just something about it. And yet that does not mean that that's the only preacher for you. But that gift and that style may make an imprint upon you and you will always lean toward a certain way. Now some of you come from different churches maybe and whenever you finally arrived where God wanted you, it was that ministry that made that imprint on you. Totally transformed you, totally changed you. Well the truth of it is because it's good, that's when you got the Holy Ghost. But whenever God does that, it actually does something to you and changes your nature. Now this is what had happened to some of the Corinthian people. They had been birthed under a certain thing. And many of them no doubt were just as emotional when they were sinners. Oh, that's what gets me. There's a lot of folks that you know that they, they're a certain, certain way. And if you'd follow them back through their life, they were that way pretty much when they was a sinner. But they want to attribute it to when it was all after they got the Holy Ghost. But if they'll really recall their self and they'll remember how they were when they got saved, they were the life of the party when they was going to parties. And what are they now? The life of the party in church. Well, praise the Lord. Well, then they want to attribute that to all being spiritual. No, it's not always because they are spiritual. It's because of their natural makeup. Now, the Corinthian church, boy, they was really having a struggle. Now, Paul wants to bring it down to this simple way. He said, if the body, for the body is not one member, but many. Now, you imagine their attention as it's coming out to themselves, their human anatomy, and they might, when they heard this preach, or when they saw it in the writing that Paul had given to them, and then they begin to realize, well, I, I can see that. I, I can see that. What if my whole body was a hand? Wouldn't that be weird? So can you imagine up here before you tonight was a walking, five-fingered, six-foot, 160-some-pound man? Well, not actually a man, but a hand. Wouldn't that be strange? And you imagine when Paul, by the Spirit of God, began to get their attention, and they thought, now that would be really, really bizarre if I was just a walking hand. Well, that's the way some folks are spiritually. 
because they feel like they are all they need. So they don't need a pastor, they don't need a church, they don't need one another. Whatever they think they are in Christ, they think they're the entirety and they're an island. Well, first of all, that's contrary to the Bible. Secondly, it's contrary to the message. Now watch the way Paul says, it's something that's really weird. I mean, how preachers can can type certain things like, like Paul's fixing to do. If the foot shall say, Okay, now look, I realize I'm not as smart as some of y'all, all right? But if any of you all ever seen a talking foot? Isn't it strange that Paul would take the anatomy and say something that was not even realistic? This is not going to happen. It never has happened and never will happen. You believe God led the man to use this? I wonder why. Because the Spirit of God knew there would be something about taking the anatomy of a human being and being able to make the connection that would send a spiritual message that would reverberate for 2,000 years. I wonder how many times this had been preached on since Paul wrote it. I wonder how many saints of God around the world, their eyes have come open when their pastor or an evangelist or a teacher or a prophet began to deal with this in the word. Wonder why? Well, if they're normal, every one of them have a hand and a foot. Now, every one of us do not have the gift of prophecy. Every one of us do not see visions. Every one of us may not have spiritual dreams. Every one of us may not prophesy or do this or that or the other. So why didn't God use that? God wanted this man to use something that the majority of the people could be able to look at on their own and say, wow. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. I want you to notice now, the lowest member of the body speaking to a more exalted member of the body. I want you to notice now your hand and your foot if you're normal. So you've got five fingers, five toes. It's the only two that Paul uses that have a miniature reflection in each other. Five, five. One's in one extreme and the other's in another extreme. Now maybe some of you all think you have pretty feet. That's one thing I've yet to see. Now maybe I've never seen yours. But you know, the, the foot. Now let's, let's look at the foot. The lowest part of us. The part that takes all the weight. The part that smells. The part that aches. The part that bears the load day in and day out. The part that most of us never let others see. I see there's some here tonight with sandals on. I see a few, but very few. (laughs) And yet the hand Look at the hand. A member of humility. Now, I've never been a barefoot guy. 
I'm glad I didn't live in the days of Jesus because I couldn't have handled sandals. I don't own a pair and I wouldn't have a pair. I don't care what they cost. You couldn't give them to me because I ain't wearing them. I'm a tenderfoot. I always have been. I do good to get them to go to the bathroom and back to the bed at night. Just, uh, 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 uh. I wear shoes. God made shoes. You are barefoot all you want to. <laughs> the Bible says, let your feet be shod with the preparation of the gospel, not with, not with soles and sandals and all that. Shoes, shoes. But my feet, and the last year and a half, as you know, I've been dealing with this plantar fasciitis. I've always appreciated my feet. They've took me a lot of places. But oh, how I've appreciated them in the last year and a half when they weren't hurting. Now, for those of you that know what that is, it's that plantar on the bottom of your foot, which comes up like this, goes up the back of the ankle a little bit, and it gets stretched and strained. I have got enough inner souls sent to me from people around the world that I think I'm gonna open up a shop. And I thank you all for sending them because I've tried every one of them, God knows it. I've had shoes sent to me from Amazon, from people in Canada, from people in the States, and I thank you for every pair I've got alongside with my insert place, I'm opening up a shoe place as well. Because people heard me talk about it and they love me and they want to try to help me get some comfort. Well, I wonder if we couldn't learn from that. So we look at our hand and it is the part that is most expressive. Now I suppose that I could learn to walk on my hands. I might be a little bit old for that though. Now you think you could learn to walk on your hands? Some of you don't think you some, but you think you might be top heavy the other way around or something? Are you worried about that? Well people do, right? I mean, you've got these fingers which are longer than your toes. I suppose you could do it, but it would not be in order because God made you to stand up this way and to walk on your feet. But yet the feet, the feet are so misunderstood, so abused, and you don't really think that much about them unless they go to hurt you. And then you baby them and you pet them. Oh man, one, one brother, and I, I, don't, I don't remember, but he'll remember, I'm sure you hear, you hear me because he streams us up in the Midwest. And he sent an email to the library and he said, tell Brother Donnie I had it and I went to a podiatrist and he told me to try these inserts, which I bought them and tried them. But he also told me to get a foot massager. And he gave me the name of it, and I got it. Well, let me say it this way, I've got two of them. Because it was basically the only thing that I found that really helped me. And it really did help me. I use it today, as a matter of fact. So my feet have got more attention in the last year and a half than they have in the last 67 years. But the only reason they've got attention was because they were hurting. Some days when I was over here laying stone and I'd leave five, six, seven o'clock, whatever, I'd go home, 
I had to call Carol one day to help me get out of the truck because I couldn't get out of the truck. I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk. I was so like this. She had to help me get in the house. But normally, I would just jump out of the truck and walk in there. Now, think of sometimes the members of our assembly and the members of the mystical body. But sometimes we may tend to look down on the weaker ones or ones that we say, oh, you know, they're just big babies. They need attention over this or that or the other. But maybe they're going through a real hard time. I don't mind telling you my feet have gotten more attention in the last year and a half than my hands. Well, except for a while ago and I cut my thumb and my finger and then I needed some attention because I was pouring the blood. So the deacon had to bring me some band-aids. But what do we do? Whenever we have something that's going on, all of our focus goes to that particular part. So I'm standing in there and I cut my finger on the little rim under the the sink there. So I I turned the water on, blood pouring out everywhere, got blood on the sink, blood on on everything. So what did I do? I changed my attention from my feet to my finger. Well, I didn't just do it once. I'm so accident prone. I cut this finger and I cut this thumb. So it's difficult for me. So what did I do? All of my attention was aimed toward what? The hurt parts. How many knows what I'm saying? Well, you understand that if we're not careful, we will tend to magnify the strengths. Oh, look at this great man. Look at this great woman. They're so strong. And I said, what about some? Oh, my goodness. You can't believe how babyfied they are. They're just pansies. They're this and that and the other. Well, maybe they need you to help them. Maybe they need you, oh my, how long will it, how long should we, how long would be your advice that I should take care of my feet? Should I give my feet a deadline? And if you don't straighten up, hey, I'm sick of this. You understand that left foot, right foot? I'm sick of this stuff. I'm sick of wearing insoles in my shoes. I'm tired of it. I'm sick of sitting down on my foot massager for three and four hours at a time. I'm giving you till next week. And if you don't straighten up. Well, come on, help me now. What should I do? Am I going to take them off? Am I going to buy some wood ones? Am I, am I going to get some concrete ones? What am I going to do? You know what I'm going to do. The same thing you'd do if it was yours. You're going to baby them. You're going to love on them. You're going to pet them. You're going to rub them. You're going to vibrate them. You're going to massage them. You'll do whatever you got to do to get them babies well so you can be able to walk around and maybe dance a little bit if you feel like it. Maybe shouting on the devil's head. How long will you do it? As long as it takes. So I say if we do our feet that way, our hands that way, our head that way, our shoulder that way, I say we ought to feel that way about the body of Christ. So if we've got weak members, how long do we deal with them? We deal with them until we are changed. That's how long. We don't give them six months and then we'll throw them away. No, we are here to lift you up. We are here to help you. Oh my. So the lowest member of the body, which contacts the earth constantly, looks up to the honorable part and says, now listen, this is my foot's in it. 
hey hand, I'm not you. Every time he preaches, he gets up there and does all this stuff. And if you tie his hands, he couldn't say a word. He's like most preachers. He couldn't say nothing if his hands is tied. Nobody never looks at me. Nobody ever even knows I'm hardly attached to his legs, except they just see him walking around. They don't, nobody ever look at me like they look at you when he makes all these symbols and counting and all the, yeah, you get all the attention, don't you? You get all the attention. What do I get? Plantar fasciitis. So because I don't get the attention, I'm quitting. I beg you, don't give up on me now. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It sustains the whole weight of the body. Really, Brother Fred, when you look at it, think what a miracle our feet are. I wear a size 10. About that long, maybe something like that. I want you to look at all the weight, all the structure that it supports every day of my life. It has done so for 67 years. I ain't had to have new, new feet, ain't had to replace them, ain't had to go back and train them in and get another pair. They've done this ever since I was born and I took my first step. So here they move. They stabilize me. They support me. They get no glory. To be honest with you, I I don't remember really, I don't recall how long it's been since I even thanked them for it. Y'all think I should? I wonder if the church is not made up. Well, really, I don't have to wonder. I know it is. The church is made up like this. In the mystical body, there are people that are the support. In the natural church body, there are people that are the support. I'm not talking about just financially, but they're there. They're faithful. They help stabilize everything. They may never be called up here to pray because they'd be so tongue-tied and so embarrassed, they don't tell them what they'd say. They'll never want any type of limelight. They'll never want to be able to get up in front of nobody, but you can depend on them. When the pastor stands up there and looks out, they're there unless there's something bad going wrong. And they're there every service, they're just there. Oh my, thank you feet. Thank you feet. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank God for the feet that have been around the world for 2,000 years that have supported the gospel of Jesus Christ and give it its stability. Oh my. So the humble speaks to the more honorable, which is the closest one that resembles itself. Isn't it amazing what a contrast between the five and the five? This one does not bear my weight, this one does not carry the load. It's the one that gets more glory. But I'm glad I don't have two feet here and two feet here. That would really be bizarre, right? 
Can you imagine trying to eat with a foot feeding you? Can you imagine how now the, the feet cannot survive without the hands? Now remember, in this is the ministry. In this is the deacons. Every person that's in the body of Christ, every one of you finds your identity somewhere in the spiritual parallel of the anatomy of the body of Christ. So the stability of the church and those that are able to stand there and then you have the legs which are the columns of support and then you have all of it joined together. My, the great mystical body of Christ is joined the same way. So can we really say, well, we don't need you. We don't want you. We don't want you. Or can you say, or should you even say, they don't need me. I'm not important. You should never say that. You should never let that lie come out of your mouth because that's what it is. You're not supposed to lie. You are needed in the body of Christ. You are needed. If God has made you a part of this church, you are needed in this church. Wherever God places you. Now watch, Paul says, if the foot shall say because I am not the hand. I find it amazing as Brother Branham would travel around it. Of course, he would preach in Colosseums. Most churches was not big enough to be able to hold his crowds. So they would contact different pastors, say, go to Phoenix, and they'd contact him, let him know he was coming. And then them pastors would bring their people in. And that's what made up the meeting. And Brother Branham over and over again, whenever he would go to operating the gift and then praying for the people, he would call the pastors to come up. And it's amazing when you go to studying this how many times he repeats this. And he said, now a lot of evangelists come to town and he said, they want you to think they're the main one. He said, but these pastors right here are just as called of God to pray for the sick as I am. Now, what's he doing? A stronger one is giving the weaker looking ones their proper place in the gospel. Now, you see, this is part of the imagery of the strong to help the weak. I found it. I just did a search on this not long ago. And it was amazing how many times over and over and over again. I quoted it to you not long ago that he said he stood at the end of a prayer line in one particular place and he put the pastors in front, in front of him. And he said by the time the majority of the people got to him, they were already healed. Why? Because God honored the prayers of those pastors. Now, why did he do that? None of them pastors would ever be what he was. He was what? the eyes, the seer. None of them pastors would ever do that. And he said, now your pastor won't do this. He said, because there's only one to a generation. And the church said, and he knew they would not do that, but he wanted to give them their proper position, not only in the eyes of the preachers, but in the eyes of the congregation. You see, some preachers like to go around and project like that they are greater than all the rest of the pastors. Oh my, that man needs an understanding himself, don't he? But that was not the spirit this message was delivered in. 
It was delivered in the spirit that the prophet had his position, but he himself said he would not make a good pastor. He was not a good pastor, he said, and he never would make one. But he said, there are those that God has called to be such. So he did not do away with the pastors, did not do away with the evangelists, but he placed them and then the greater gave the honor to the weaker. You see, every pastor is always weaker than the prophet of the age. Praise the Lord, absolutely. And will never go up as high as he did, not intended to. And it's up to those who are higher elevated to be able to look to the feet and say, look feet, we need you. You are important to us. You may not have as many miracles and some preachers no doubt feel like the feet in the body of the message. They feel like nobody hardly knows them. They've never preached a convention and never will. And certain, certain ones are the ones that preach you know, a lot of the conventions around the message, but are we supposed to look at these other brothers that's never invited for such and say, well, they don't amount to anything. Well, I'll tell you one thing, I'm not gonna do that because we are absolutely breaking God's word when we will take the hands and point the hands down to the feet and say, you're not important. Oh, yes, they are important. You sit here tonight, brother, sister, every young person in this church is important. You're important to God and you're important to us. Every young sister, every young man, every middle-aged man, every elder man and woman, come on church, say amen with me. Everyone that God gives us to be a part of this assembly, you are important to us and if God made you a part of our assembly, we need you just like you need us. And don't you get discouraged and say, well, it's a big church, they don't need me. Big bodies, do big bodies need feet? Do big people need feet? Do skinny people need feet? Do middle-sized people need feet? Well, I guess we all need feet, don't we? So whether you're a little church or a medium-sized church or a big church, we need every member that God put us together with. Oh, my. Oh, help us, Jesus. Because I am not the hand, the instrument of communication and action that liberally imparts and nourishes the body. Now, Brother Homer Longoria says he wished God would have put his mouth right here. So when he sat down at the table, he could just rake it straight in. But Brother Homer, buddy, you'd look really strange with your belly talking. (laughs) Now look at the hands. We have hands in the church. We have hands in the ministry of the body. Look at all this symbolism. It's absolutely awesome when you look at it right. But is everybody a hand? Some people, they can just get in there and boy, they just go to doing things like, wow, I wish I could do that. I wish I'd be able to do that. Well, somebody's gotta be a big toe, brother. Wow, wouldn't that be some of you as a big toe in the body? <laughs> I can say right now, there ain't none of you wanna be that. You'd rather be the thumb, right? 
Watch how your fingers will parallel to them toes. And yet God made every one of us and gifted us with certain things. And the worst thing we can do is sit there and compare ourselves to so-and-so. They get blessed so much. They shout like every time they go to church, they worship and I just struggle and struggle and, but keep on struggling. Keep right on pressing. Keep right on pressing, little Lily, till you'll get up out of that old muck and that pond and you'll shine as bright as that one that shouts and screams and hollers. Come on, somebody. You'll be able to do exactly what God wants you to do because you're placed in the body for a reason. Now watch, this one does so many more works than the foot. Look what the hands can do. The hands can break eggs. The hands can, you know, take stuff and, and work. Don't you just love to watch people do stuff with their hands? I think just something about it just mesmerizing. Well, me anyway. You know, they just thought, wow, how do they do that? You, you watch guys, and I stood out in Arizona several years ago, Brother Ron Peterson, his wife, Carol, and I, and there's a guy there's an artist studio, and he made these bronze statues. And he would take and do these things in modeling clay and he was putting them together and just took a, a, a ball of something, another clay, and he would take this and transform it into a horse. And he would take and shape the hoof. Now, Brother Ron Peterson's daddy was a jockey, actually. And he won the Santa Maria, whatever, Santa Ana, whatever it's called. One of them deals out there, he was a jockey. So he knew Mickey Rooney and all them guys. Well, Brother Ron looked at that and he said, buddy, he said, you mind if I tell you a little something about that horse? He said, no, go ahead. He said, well, I'm a cowboy. He said, my daddy was so-and-so. Oh, your daddy was so-and-so? Yeah, he said, I, I knew about your daddy. He said, you got that horse falling wrong. Now, the horse was coming to him, the rider was on his back, and this guy had him falling in the wrong way. He said, he'll never fall that way. He'll fall this way and that way. Well, when we're standing there, that guy grabbed a hold of that leg of that horse, and, and the minute he's there, the next minute he's gone. So he took Brother Ron's advice. So Brother Ron, from his memory, and from being around horses all of his life, this guy probably had never even been on the back of a pony, more than likely. So he was just doing what he saw. But here was a man who knew, who knew. And it totally transformed the image of that image that he was trying to make in that horse. Simply because a man walked in there at the right time. Now no doubt he would have went right on and made it and made it totally wrong. And people would have paid because those things were thousands of dollars a piece when he made them. And they would have said, isn't that great? Every one of them would have been wrong. And probably nobody never even noticed him unless they'd been a cowboy. And a cowboy looked and said, that's one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my life. That horse don't fall that way. That old bow-legged cowboy walking around there said, what in the world he doomed that fur? I've never seen nothing like that. Why old Joe would never fall that way? And that's that him look at him. We're not careful. That's the way we are. We're building this beautiful image of this and that and the other, but we don't want to do what somebody else says. We want to build it the way the Lord Jesus says. And the Lord Jesus has got feet and legs and eyes and hands and tongues and ears. He's got all that in the body and every one of them are important to him. Praise God. Notice in verse 16. And if the ear shall say, again, something that's not going to happen, if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, 
I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Well, you say, Brother Donnie, that's crazy. I know it is. Just as crazy for some of us to say what we say. Well, I'll never be a big this and a great big that, and I'll never, I don't guess I'm really important. Uh huh. So your ear, just talk to your eye. So the ear, oh, don't you love your ears? I mean, not necessarily maybe the shape of them. Ears are funny, ain't they? I mean, you, you ever, people's ears, everybody's ears is just so. You ever notice people's ears? I mean, let me not get in that. People have different shapes. Some are long, some tilt backwards. But Joe Forney, one of the reasons he carries this microphone around, because you can't keep one of these on his ears. Because the way his ears slant back, you can't hardly make one of them fit. So he just gets him a big string and drops that thing right down there and forget the ears. So everybody's ears is not exactly the same. But yet if they're normal and they function properly, what a blessing they are. Why, where would we be tonight if we didn't have ears? We wouldn't be able to enjoy the birds. We wouldn't be able to enjoy singing. We wouldn't be able to enjoy music, only feel the vibration as it come into our body. How much we would miss by the ear, but if the ear got this mentality, well, I can't read. It ain't fair, I can't read. The ear's not supposed to read. All right, some of y'all looking at me funny. I'm gonna let my ear read this next scripture. <laughs> well, come on now, you said you wasn't the eye, you wanted to be like the eye, so go ahead. Makes just as much sense for somebody to try to take somebody else's place in the body. Whether they're big, pointed, flat, round, fat, whatever they are, where would you be in your life without them? Some of you that's getting older, you know how it is. What? What'd you say? Of course, one of the first things is to start making excuses. That stinking heater so loud, I can't hear nothing. Well, the engine, the traffic is so loud out there, I can't hear nothing no more. Go ahead and admit it, buddy, you're getting old. Lord God, children, it's one thing to lose your hearing, sense of hearing naturally. What's even worse than that? It's when people become dull of hearing spiritually. And you try to tell them what the Word says and tell them what the message says. What? What? I can't hear you. I can't hear you. May I always be able to hear the voice of God. And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, the organ that receives the sounds, what a tremendous thing the eardrum is. Remember the little stirrup you saw it like whenever you went to school and they showed you all them little parts on the inside? It's incredible, isn't it? How those, those vibrations can come in there and hit that ear. and It's just absolutely incredible what God made. And yet be able to hear it. And your eye been able to look and see and seeing it upside down and turning it back where it's supposed to be. Totally incredible how God made us. 
the greatest cameras they've ever made and still haven't made one equivalent to the human eye. Because the DPI, how the eye can differentiate between the colors, how the eye can get the clarity, how the eye can do all of that, and science trying to make cameras and other cameras and James Webb's telescope and all that, and my little eye can beat him. <laughs> they spend billions of dollars sending it out there to take pictures and God stuck one inside of your head that's better than anything they've ever come up with. What a great thing God made, and we need eyes in the body. He was, oh, I don't need a pastor, but you do. You need a man on the watchtower to say, watch out, the devil's coming. Watch out, watch out, be careful, watch out. People say, oh, I don't need nothing. I'm down inside the watch. Yes, you do. God puts a man in the watchtower and he's listening and he's hearing and he's watching and he's seeing. He said, wait a minute, there's a dark time coming. Everybody make ready, get ready. We're fixing to leave this world. Oh, my So the ears say to the eye, I don't have the ability to see. I guess there's no need to even go back. Nobody needs me. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Let me tell you, I have a special admiration, friends. For brothers in this message, many of them have stood and preached to 20 and 30 for years of their life. To stand before a congregation of several hundred, they'll never be allowed to do it. And if we're not careful, we'll tend to look down and say, well, I guess God couldn't trust them with much. I guess they're not very trustworthy. I admire those men. Don't you, Brother Darrell? Brother Darrell travels sometimes 12 and 14 hours flying or driving to preach to 10, 15, 20. And of course, you know, Brother Darrell, whenever he gets there, when the crowd was real small, of course, he just stands there and reserves his energy and doesn't say very much because there's not very many. No. He preaches with all of his might. Well, Brother Darrell's never got to preach the convention over at Ruth. Brother Dale's never got to preach a convention in South Africa. He's never got to preach to thousands at one time. So some people look at Brother Dale, you know, they kind of look down at him. I'll tell you one thing, they're going to have a hard time standing before the Lord one day because they measure everybody by themselves. When thousands times thousands of people will walk up and stand with Brother Darrell that got saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, healed, miracles, signs, wonders, all kinds of things. Come on, church. Oh, you don't hear him talking about it much. I've been trying to encourage him to share more things with you because I want you to know our God is moving among us. And you're looking for a great evangelist or a great this or that or the other. (laughs) Open your eyes. We have them. I said, open your eyes, we have them. They're in our ranks, they're in our midst. We don't need television preachers to tell us about God. We don't need to reach outside the message to get into the direct contact of God. We've got it, we've got it. But sometimes we don't see it because of what we identify great is. Oh my, 
So it's amazing how each one of these that Paul uses when he shows this parallel. And he says, if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not the body. Now he makes the statement, then he asks the question, is it therefore not of the body? Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye. I see some of y'all was looking at me funny there a while ago whenever I took one of them individuals made it, but I got that from the Bible. Wouldn't it look weird to have a six-foot eyeball standing up here tonight? One great big eyeball. I said, that's spooky, Brother Donnie. Yeah, it is spooky. And that's what people try to do to the ministry. They want to take one aspect of the ministry. They want to take the prophet's aspect of the ministry, which is the eye, and say, that's all you need. Well, come on now. Oh, yeah, that's what the tape-only people do. That's what they want. They want the eye only. That's all they want. They don't want nothing else but the eye. But you don't have a body without having all of it put together. So it's the same thing. Well, Brother Donnie's my favorite preacher, and if he ain't preaching, I just ain't going. I believe I've got a slight headache. That might be the best time for you to go. Brother Darrell might be preaching get rid of that headache. You see, Satan wants to hone us into one preacher. And then all he's got to do is bring something between you and that one, and you no longer believe in preachers at all. Oh, somebody preached with me tonight. You see, thank God for the eyes. Thank God for the lips. Thank God for the ears. Thank God for the hands. Thank God for the feet. Praise the Lord, church. Do we need them all? Are you glad we've got them all? Not only natural, but in the spiritual body. Let me find a place to close. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where were the smelling? Now, bless the heart, some people, that's all they have is a big eye, except it's not E-Y-E. You got it. What if the church consisted only of the eminent light bringers, which are preachers? So what if the church consisted only of preachers? No laity allowed. So we could all preach on preacher level and talk on preacher level because preachers study on a different level than laity do and they talk different. So where would be the laity that would live it? So if it was all laity and no preacher, Don't you see, it makes no sense. So what do we need? Every one of them that God put in the body. We need organ players, piano players, guitar players. Y'all really need one of them right now. You need bass guitar players, and and we, we need all of this, but everybody who's so talented, can't be on the platform at the same time. So it's hard sometimes to play second fiddle. There's been more people leave the church, church is, I should say, over that fact right there than probably you'd want to know. Because they don't get to play enough, so they go somewhere else. I thought we went to church where we was fed the most. 
I don't know where I got that at. I mean, I, I just listen to tapes and stuff like that. So I'm, well, I, I'm used more over here. And I, I'm used more of it. I, I, I can be. Uh, mm, gotcha. And I thought we went to church where we'd get fed the most. Well, everybody know. But God has set the members, every one of them in the body, in the way that it pleased everybody that was in the body. Because God didn't want to make nobody mad or nothing, so God. See, whenever we question where we are and what we are, we're questioning. So if he made you a foot and you've got an issue with being a foot, you don't have a problem with me. You don't have a problem with the eyes or the ears or the hands. You have a problem with him who put you there. Because you're thinking, I know I could be the ear. I know I could. So somehow I could be able to take this and stick it there. I can't take my foot, but let me take my shoe. What y'all saying? You don't like it? What if I did this? Now you're laughing, but I wonder how many of us have tried to do the same thing with ourselves. I'm sick and tired of being a foot. But we need you. And if God made you the little toe, This little pig went to the market. This little pig stayed home. But if God puts you on there, you are important to God. And you're important to us. And I hope after the service tonight, we'll be more important to each other than we've ever been. And if we see some dropping along the wayside and we see some getting discouraged, we'll say, I'll let them go on. Let them, let them drop off those lines. No, no. We pray. We reach out. Who knows how many more God's got out here that needs to be saved, needs to be filled with the Holy Ghost. The last one might be sitting on a bar stool tonight in Johnson City and their name is on the book. What if it's the last one that'll ever be in and make the bride? And when that one man or woman comes in, they get filled with the Holy Ghost. They might walk back there in the back and it might be a woman dressed so ungodly that us men couldn't even look her way. Her hair may cut off and she may have lipstick on. It may look absolutely terrible, but down inside of her heart might be a seed of God. 
We might not even want to get our hands dirty to lay hands on her. But I'll tell you, brother, if God can get a hold of her and transform her, won't it be wonderful? If God can get a hold of a man and he smells like alcohol and marijuana and everything else, but down inside of there's laying a seed of God, and we may look at him and say, poor old thing, probably just a serpent seed. Well, I don't have that microscope that you have. I'm going to treat him as a potential bride member. I'm gonna treat them, come on now. I think we ought to treat the people out here as a potential seed of God, because we don't know if they are or if they ain't. But if we think that everybody we run into is lost and not saved, more than likely, we're not gonna try to reach out to them. We won't even be kind to them. We won't even explain a little bit of the love of God. But if we'd say, you know what, that might be a seed. That might be a germatized seed of God. Even if it ain't a seed of God, it might be a foolish virgin. You might be the one that'll lead them to the Lord. They may not go into rapture, but you'll stand there and be identified with them through eternity. The prophet said somebody that you lead to Christ, their name will be identified with you forever. Forever they'll be identified with you. All you feet, ears, eyes, nose, mouth, kidneys, gallbladder, livers, blood cells, and whatever else you are, stand to your feet. Praise the Lord. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members yet? One body. As I said before, it's not just my responsibility or the responsibility of the deacons to just watch out for one another. And if you notice somebody's not been to church for a few services, text them, call them, hey, Missing you in the house of God. You okay? You're going through a trial? You're going through something? Just want to let you know you're loved. Is there anything that I can do to help you? Don't you love him? You love him? If we love him right, we'll love his members. Now, let's be honest and frank tonight. There's people in our church and people in other churches that you will never be best buddies with because we clash. Our human nature clashes and our human makeup. But the prophet said, maybe there's a certain brother. You know, there's just something about him. You just don't like to be around him. But he said, if you hear something happens to that man, your heart breaks. Why? The love of God binds you together for your human makeup might clash. But the new birth ties you. To one family, one economy, one purpose, and that's the body of Christ. I'm glad we're part of the body here, aren't you? But we aren't the only parts. There's parts all over this world. I'm just glad we're a little part. Let's pray together. Before we offer a word of prayer, I wonder, men, women, boys, girls, each of you, you say, Lord, I want to be a better member of this church. I want to be a better member of your body. I want to be mindful, more mindful of my brothers and sisters. Maybe I've overlooked some of the feet here at the church, some of the legs, the columns, the strength.
Maybe some Lord I've thought, you know what, they're so weak. They ought to just grow up. But maybe they need help. Maybe they need to, to help them through that plantar fasciitis or a time of weakness or stress or whatever it is. Let's not get rid of them. Let's not throw them out. Praise the Lord. Lord, I pray tonight that you'd begin with me. Dear Jesus, if there's one of yours that I have ever treated wrong, if there's one of yours that I've ever been impatient with, Lord, I pray you'd forgive me. Lord, if there's one of yours, whether it be a man, woman, boy, girl, preacher, or whatever it would be, Lord, that I haven't taken the proper attitude or the proper amount of time, forgive me, Lord. I pray you'd search our hearts tonight all across this building, Lord, and those that are streaming the service. Lord Jesus, may we walk out of here with a different view about one another and a different view about ourselves. Maybe some are struggling with feeling that they're apart, trying to find compatibility. Maybe they're looking for friends in the church and trying to find ones that they can buddy up with, as we'd say. And we know that's not just young people, but that can be older people as well. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be able to realize that in order to function properly, we need everybody that you've sent here, Lord. And that's all we want. I've never pulled on people. I have never done it all the years that I've preached. And I'm not going to start doing it now. I want everybody here that you want here. I want every sheep that you've ordained to be in my pasture. But I ain't looking for nobody else's sheep. Because I refuse to be a sheep-stealing preacher. I don't, I don't go around traveling around trying to pull on people trying to make our church larger by doing such. But Lord, I do want everyone that you want. So I pray you'd help us, Father, that we can do our part. Lord, may we, the next time the devil comes to us and, well, I don't know if I'm a part or not. I don't know. Nobody even knows us. Nobody. Lord, may we, may we come back to this service tonight. I'm not like brother so-and-so, and I'm not like sister so-and-so. Nobody ever even calls my name. I never get no recognition. Help us to realize we're like the talking foot, the talking ear, the talking eye. Lord God, we need to know where we belong. We need to know we're in Christ Jesus. It was you who called us, not a man. It was you who called us, not a preacher. It was you who beckoned on our souls, not mama or daddy, but the Spirit of God. You're the one who's placed us in the body, and we cannot be run off. That's the kind of Christians I want here, Lord. Those that the Word of God will not run off. As we go on in time, I realize more and more, we've had a bunch of people sitting in our church and in message churches around the world that really don't believe this message. They believe parts, bits, and pieces, but they do not believe this message. Lord God, I pray we won't turn out that way.
I pray you would give us an ear to hear. Give us hands to work the works of God. Give us feet, Lord, that can be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Oh, Lord, may we be everything you've ordained us to be, Father, that we can serve you and serve your people and serve the body, Lord. For we are called for this purpose. Hallelujah. We worship you tonight, Lord. Oh, Jesus, may every man, woman, boy, and girl, may they realize tonight they have a place, a place, and no one can take it, a position, and no one else can fill it. And Lord, they're called to a post of duty. And if they're not at their post of duty and a war breaks out, what happens? Someone gets injured, someone gets killed. Lord, we know how it is in the military. If you're assigned to a certain post and you're not there and the enemy sees you're not there and the enemy uses that as a weak spot and comes in, then they catch them people that are supposed to have been on that post and they court-martial them. Some of them they send to prison. In the Civil War days, they shot them because they left their post of duty. So it's an important thing, Lord, to be where you've placed us. We're not church hoppers that we go here and there and jump over here and jump over there. We want to be at our post, Father. Because it ain't just a preacher depending on them. It may be that person sitting around them, that person sitting behind them, that person sitting near them. Oh, Jesus, may we realize each of us have a responsibility and we're going to answer to you for that responsibility. Lord, help, help the Word of Life Church to know I'm not the one who holds this place together. It's not the deacons. It's not the other ministers that are here. It's all of us. Help every lay member to realize they have an awesome responsibility in this church. The pastor's wife, the deacon's wives, all these sisters, all these brothers, every young person, no one can take their place. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We worship you, Lord. Can we just raise our hands? Once again now, notice what you're raising, not your feet, your hands. So say the Bible tells you, it don't tell you to raise your feet, but lifting up holy hands, it never says that about the feet. And then amazing, even in the scriptures, when you go to looking at it, the glory that's given to the hands. But look at the shame that is brought upon the hands if the hands are well and they don't go up. So how many of you have to be begged to raise your hands? So then that thing which should be an instrument of honor then turns in to a reproach because you won't lift them in the presence of God. Oh, my, as long as I've got them and I've got strength in my arms, I want to lift them up. I know y'all think I'm crazy anyhow, but let me just tell you, I worship the Lord at home. I worship the Lord when I'm down in the basement. I worship the Lord whenever I'm driving down the road. I raise my hands. It's a common thing to me. I do it every day of my life. I pray every day, I worship him every day, I talk to him every day, I love him every day. I've got to walk with him every day. Mine ain't twice a week.
So it ain't unusual for me to worship him. You say, you sure do worship him a lot. I'm only doing here what I do every day of my life. I worship him every day. I, I, I don't have that kind of religion where I only worship him in church. I worship him everywhere. I love him. Don't you? I love him. So I'm going to obey his word again tonight. I want to lift up these hands. Think some of you used to hold cigarettes between them fingers. You used to hold a bottle of whiskey or wine or alcohol or something like that in them hands. But tonight, they're called holy hands. And you can raise them up in the presence of God and say, Lord, I love you with your mouth. Take your body now. Take your body. Your feet standing there supporting you. Your legs, your columns of stability while you're standing. And your hands up here, the top part, receiving the honor. Raising your hands up before the presence of the Lord. But don't stand there mute now, but tell him how you love him. So what are you doing? You're using all these different parts of your body to worship God. Well, see, that's the way God wants the church to be. So God wants Harry to sing, yeah. God wants Harry to sing, he wants Brother Louis to sing. These young people that got up here and sung a while ago, didn't they do a great job? But God don't just want them to sing. Some of you might not be special singers, but you can still make a joyful noise to the Lord with all of your heart. If a whale can sing, surely Brother Charles, you can. If a bird can be able to sing, and some of them may not be able to sing very good either. I don't understand bird songs, so I don't know if they're on key or not. But they sing with all their little hearts, and they worship the Lord. So what do they do? They take what God gave them. So let's take our feet, let them stabilize our body, let the columns of our stability, our legs, hold us up, our torso, what will we do? And then we'll use our brain, our intelligence, and we will tell the rest of our body, I want you to raise your hands. So, so what goes up? It goes up. Well, it can't do that without the brain. It can't do that without the cerebral policy or the system going up to the spine there, up to the nerve, sending the message up, comes right out. Then your optic nerve through the eye, and it comes out, Lord Jesus, I love you. I love you. Then you've got your hands, you've got your arms, you've got the sinews, you've got the tendons and all that. Every bit of it's operating for one purpose to what? Worship God. I love you, Lord. I love you. And you know how it is. Sometimes you want to stand there with your eyes open and then other times for whatever reason you just want to close your eyes. So another part of your body will send a message to your eyes. Close your eyes. So just stand there close. Oh, Jesus, I love you. I love you, Lord. I worship you. Oh, Jesus. And then some will say, oh, yes. So you just help me out. Praise the Lord. So the whole body just stand there. Oh, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Well, that's the way it happens to the individual. Well, what do you say if it happens to that one, that one, that one, that one, that one, that one? Hundreds of us moving in this body. And we're just praising, loving, worshiping. Oh, my. However, service ought to be filled with the unison of the body. What do you say we do it? Sing something for us, Harry. So let your feet stabilize you. Your columns of stability hold your body up. Either with your eyes closed or open. Then the signal from your brain. And all of a sudden you send it out in three quarters of a second. It sends the message, and you defy gravity. You defy gravity. Lifting up holy hands. Paul even says, or the scripture even goes on to say, lift up those hands which hang down, and that countenance which look down. Let it be uplifted. 
There's something about lifting your hands. Something about lifting your countenance. Lift up your heads for your redemption. Draw us out. Let's worship a little before we go, can't we? You deserve the glory. Praise the Lord. Thank God for your feet. Thank God for your legs. Thank God for your arms, your hands. Sing it to Him now. My hands in worship, Lord, as we lift your lift your holy name. You deserve the glory. Deserve the glory. Yes, He does. Hallelujah. Lord, we lift Hallelujah, our hands Jesus. in worship. Hallelujah, Jesus. As Lord, we worship lift your holy, holy name. name. For you are great. Oh, tell him. Tell him. You do miracles so Thank you, Lord. There is no one else like you, for you are great. Oh, tell him, saints. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. We love you, Father. We worship your holy name, Lord God. We bless you tonight,
to the great fountain to drink. You've led us to the great table to eat. Oh, hallelujah. We worship you tonight, Lord. We bless you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Who am I? Thank you, Lord Jesus. When I think of how he came so far from glory. Among the lowly, such as I. Thank you, Lord God, to suffer shame and such disgrace. On Mount Calvary, take my place. I'm reminded, oh, I'm reminded of his words. I'll leave you never. If you'll be true, I'll give to you my life. I wonder what I could 
his eye upon you. As he stood there in his day of shame and disgrace. It was Friday, but Sunday was coming. Maybe here tonight and it's a Friday. It seemed like the handwriting's on the wall and everything is going against you. But Sunday's coming. The sun was hot, the angry mob gathered by the gray stone building. As a man dressed in velvet with his curly black beard stepped out on his balcony. Washing his hands to rid him of the blood, he wouldn't dare. 
Listen now, I find no fault in this man called Jesus, either from the shores of Galilee. I command you to ask me to let him go free. Don't make me take this man's blood to the grave with me. Washing his hands to rid him of the blood he would never wash away. The mob cried the blood of this innocent man. I heard Pilate praying. All right, let's sing it now. Let's try. 
Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, it wasn't just the head that got up out of that grave. It wasn't just the hands that got up out of that grave, but his whole body got up out of that grave. Do you understand when the whole body got up, that signified the Ephesian age, the Sumerian age, the Pergamos age, the Thyatira age. It signified all of those that had died of the elect of the Old Testament. When Jesus got up, you got up. When Jesus got up, Peter got up. When Jesus got up, Brother Branham caught up. It was the whole body and the body will follow the head. This is why our resurrection is sure. Back off death, back off cancer, back off disease, back off trouble, back off hallelujah. We are more than conquerors because he got up, we got up with him. Hallelujah, he said, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Speak into his bride. Well, glory to God. Don't you love it? Don't you appreciate your feet tonight? Say, ain't them things good? They've been standing here holding you all up and y'all, some of you have been swaying around, some of you have been moving around and what's it all accountable for? Your feet. Your feet's right there. Well, some of you might not be nothing no more than a foot to the church of the living God, but look at how valuable you are. Look at how important you are to be a leg or whatever it was that God's made you. You are so important and don't you ever let the devil tell you you are not. You need to walk out of this place tonight saying, devil, me and you's having a talk, except I'm doing the talking and you doing the listening. It ain't gonna be the same from this night on. I'm part of the body. I'm part of the church. Brother Donnie loves me. The saints love me. And first and foremost, Jesus loves me. I'm tired of you telling me I ain't nobody. I'm tired of you telling me I ain't important. I am important. I'm part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and you ain't gonna stop me. You mean you're coming back Sunday with bells on? You mean you're coming back and worshiping? I sure am. I'm gonna use my feet to stand up there and who knows, I might dance a little bit every now and then. I'm gonna take my hands and I'm gonna clap them together. I'm gonna raise my arms and say Jesus died for me and Jesus is coming back for me. Come on, somebody tell me about it. Is that the way you feel about him tonight? Let your feet support you. Let your legs stabilize you. Let your torso hold you up. Let your brain sing the signal. Let him go ahead and send the signal down to your feet. Say, why don't you dance a little bit for the Lord? But Brother Donnie, I'm afraid I'll get in the flesh. I've been in it for 67 years. I'm wanting to get out of it. Hallelujah. I'd rather dance for the Lord than be down at the bar tonight. I'd rather dance for the Lord a little bit than being some honky-tonk. Hallelujah. Well, sing some for us, hey. Don't drag it out of the Baptist side of the hymnal either. Hallelujah. Don't you love him, saints? Oh, but Brother Donnie, I'm, I'm afraid I might cut up a little bit. Why don't you? Why don't you just cut up a little bit? Why don't you just go ahead and let the devil know? I know the devil himself would pass out if some of you all shouted, but go ahead and just send a cold shield up the devil's spine. Let him know you ain't ashamed. You ain't ashamed. Jesus gave you these feet. He gave you these hands. He gave you this mouth. Instead of gossiping or telling a bunch of junk, why don't you use this mouth to praise the Lord? Instead of doing something with these hands that you shouldn't do, why don't you clap them? Why don't you raise them to the Lord? Why don't you reuse them for good works and say, Lord, I love you. Lord, I want you to know I bless you. 
bless your name tonight. I want to thank you, Lord. I want to thank you because you're a mighty God. You're an everlasting Father. You're a Prince of Peace. You're my coming King. You're my husband. You're El Shaddai. Oh, I wish somebody would preach with me now. You're my healer. You're my victory. You're my joy. You're everything I have need of tonight, Lord. Sing, sing, sing. Real, I'm a soldier. All right now. In the army of the Lord and in my place, I'm a soldier. I'm a soldier. Yes, I am. In the army. Any soldiers here tonight? Oh, yeah. I'm a soldier. I'm a soldier. In the army army of the Lord. Of the Lord. I'm a soldier. In the army of the Lord. Well, I'm a soldier. Come on, soldier. sing that tonight as you go. Amen. Come back Sunday expecting, believing. Amen. For another move of God. Oh, I've got joy in my soul. God is in control. I got Satan on my trail. 
But I'm singing all is well He's attacking every day But I'm watching while I pray No matter the attack I won't turn back Cause this means war This means war I've got joy in my soul My God is in control I got Satan on my trail But I'm singing all is well He's attacking every day But I'm watching while I pray No matter the attack I won't turn back Cause this means war Wow. 
my soul.